Do you feel it? Does it move you? Does it shock you? When you go to work and see false gods of career, money, and greed, when people believe that Jesus is just not living for, do you see the name of Jesus in disgrace? At universities and schools where human reason is worshipped above God's word, when you walk or drive around the streets and see people who just don't know Jesus. When you go to Garden City or Market Square for lunch and look around to see people who don't understand Jesus, who are just lost without Jesus. Does that really hit you? I remember when this really hit me. Uh, I was in Yokohama, Japan uh, with my host family and we were walking down this dark street with uh, these shops full of trinkets, bracelets, incense, and idol figures. And it really hit me. This place is just so dark, so lost without Jesus. It was shocking, disgraceful, humbling. But while I was also in Japan, something else really hit me. I was walking down the main road uh, where Gary and Ruth lived, uh, and I wondered, this need for Jesus, sure, Japan needs the gospel, but Brisbane needs Jesus too. In Japan, the need is so obvious, but in Brisbane, we need the gospel in the same way. But I didn't seem to get it until then. Uh, it doesn't seem obvious to us at all. Let me ask you, uh, do you look over uh, the city of Brisbane and think about Brisbane? And are you moved? Do you weep and mourn because Jesus' name isn't glorified here? Because his name lays in disgrace. I looked up some stats. Um, in Brisbane, there's only 8% of the population goes to church regularly. Only 3% of the population identify with a church that actually teaches the Bible and is on about Jesus. Where at least one in four people you meet in Runcorn calls themselves an atheist. And one in five people in the suburb are Chinese with a Buddhist background. I've been doing a test this weekend. Uh, I've been trying to be actively aware of those around me and their need for Jesus. Uh, one of the things I did was on Friday Avo, I went for a run around the suburb. And while running, I just wondered and thought to myself, uh, there's a barbecue going in this house. Do they know anything about Jesus? Uh, this guy hooning down the street in his Nissan skyline, this guy, is he lost without Jesus? The lady walking home on Beanley Road from the train station, does she care at all about Jesus? We see that Nehemiah in this passage was grieved for bricks, gates, and walls. His heart broke because Jerusalem was disgraced. And we have what God's promises point to ultimately. Jesus, God who became flesh and died and rose again so that we might be forgiven. How much more should our hearts break for Jesus' name? Do you feel it? How much more should we grieve, mourn, and weep because God's name isn't glorified and it's disgraced in our city? Nehemiah was shocked and his grief moved him 
to pray. And this is what we find in verses 5 to 11. Here we see a real concern for God's name. You know, it would have been really easy for Nehemiah to, to assess the situation and, and to just blame God, to say, it's, it's your fault. Or he could have blamed the other people, it's, it's your sin. Or just to skip all the God stuff and just start planning straight away. But he doesn't do any of these things. Instead, Nehemiah begins with praise to the sovereign God. Verse 5. Lord Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. He praises God even when it's not going well. The God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Then he praises God for God's faithfulness to his promises to his people. And then he moves to confession in verse 6. I confess the sins we as Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. You see, Nehemiah takes responsibility of his sin, his family's sin, and his people's sin. Because you see, the exile, this destruction, it wasn't God's fault, but it was a consequence of the people's disobedience to the covenant. My sin, your sin, our sin, especially unconfessed sin, it's like a barrier between us and God, and it's ultimately taken away by Jesus. Nehemiah puts his hand up and he says, I'm a sinner. I've wronged you, God. I take responsibility. And Nehemiah, he doesn't appeal to God on his own merit. He acknowledges that his sin is part of the problem here. And finally, Nehemiah appeals to God's name. He prays something like, God, please act, not for me. Do it for your name's sake, your covenant's sake, for the sake of your glory. In verse 8 and 9, Nehemiah remembers the blessings and cursings in Deuteronomy. And he appeals to God's promises to rebuild his people for the sake of God's name. You see, the ruin, it's not just a disgrace to God and God's people. It was also a disgrace to God himself and his name. God's city left in tatters. The city of God, where God dwelled in, was seemingly wiped out. And Nehemiah appeals to God to act for the glory of his own name. And then as he moves on to verse 10, he points to the Exodus. They're your servants and your people, who you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. You see, in Exodus in redeeming God's people from Egypt, God also displayed his glory. He demonstrated his power and established his name as the one and only true God. And Nehemiah brings this up almost to say, God, build your people, show your glory. And in verse 11, God's name pops up yet again. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants, who delight in revering your name. You see, Nehemiah wasn't trying to be the hero. He's not the hero of this book. He says himself that he's a servant and he's concerned about God's name. And this is evident through the whole prayer up to this point. God's sovereignty, God's faithfulness, confessing our sin and failure, rebuilding for God's name and glory. I'm your servant and 
It's all about your name. And this is Nehemiah's prayer for a period of about four months. Nehemiah's grief in verse 1 to 4, it drives him to pray with a concern for God's name. And as we look around and see God's name in disgrace and ruin today, we should likewise be driven to prayer. We need to pray for God's name, for Jesus, to be glorified in our church, in Runcorn, in Sunnybank, in Brisbane and the whole world. Pray that we, as a church, might be hungry, jealous, passionate for Jesus to be known. And pray that people in Brisbane would give Jesus the glory that he deserves. Uh, like I said before, next Saturday we're putting on uh, this day of prayer at church, uh, 9am to 5pm. And this is for us as a church to come together and pray together with a concern for the name of Jesus in our community. We'll be praying for ministries, for our leaders, for the church body, for church matters, and we'll be praying ultimately for God to be glorified, for Jesus to be known. Just like with Nehemiah, it's, it's God's work. We're praying for God to work his ways. We're acknowledging his control and our dependence on him that we can do nothing without God. So let your desire and your passion for Jesus move you to your knees. Will you make time to come and pray? In your own times, uh, are you praying for SDBC? Can you commit this church that you attend regularly to prayer? Pray that all five services will be packed out with people wanting to know more about Jesus that our ministries, they'll, they'll struggle because of the great influx of people in need for Jesus. Pray that we'll grow a strong, Christ-honoring, God-glorifying eldership and pastoral team for Jesus' sake. Are you praying for Brisbane? Can you commit Brisbane, our city, to prayer this week, this month, this year? Pray that the 8% of church attendance will grow to 10% more for God's glory, where all these churches will be teaching the gospel for God's glory, where atheists in our community, they'll do a U-turn and they'll find the true and living God for his glory. And the Chinese and Middle Easterners will come to know Jesus for his glory. Pray that the person that you sit next to at work, the school you drive past every week, the people in your bus, those you see at the shops, pray that they would know Jesus. Are you praying for the whole world? You know, one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Can you pray for the whole world, that every tribe and nation will hear the gospel for God's glory? Nehemiah's rebuilding began in prayer and Throughout history, if you look at it, every revival begins with men and women praying with a concern for God's name, for Jesus to be glorified. God uses the prayers of his people for, from us to accomplish many things for the sake of his glory. You see, Nehemiah, he was a servant. I'm a servant. You're a servant. We're all servants. It's not about us. It's about God's name.
Nehemiah was concerned about God's name, and that's not where it stops. Because we see right at the end of the chapter, uh, we find out where this is all going. Verse 11b, it says, Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. You see, Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. In a sense, he's uh, a government worker, but he's also a very privileged government worker. He gets to taste wine and to make sure it's not poisoned and it's fit quality-wise for the king. You see, Nehemiah, he knows his place. He's a cupbearer, but he also knows his place under God. He's a servant to the sovereign and faithful God. Three times in this verse alone, he says, servant, servant, servant. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, Nehemiah is here. You see, Nehemiah is God's servant. He, and God puts Nehemiah in the right place, in the right position, in the right time to act and live for God. His grief from verse 1 to 4 moves to concern, and his concern moves to action. You see, he's going to ask the king Artaxerxes for permission to rebuild the wall. And it's the same king, as we said before, who decreed for all this building to stop. You see, this request, it wasn't straightforward. It was actually a dangerous and risky plan. He could have lost his position, his job, or maybe been killed. But Nehemiah, he knew his place, a servant of the sovereign and faithful God. He says, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm here. And you know, this is the same attitude that we're to have as we live for God's name. Do you see yourself as God's servant? You see, God's put each and every one of you exactly where he wants you so you can make Jesus known. Whether it's your workplace, your sports team, your friendship groups, your family, whatever it takes, God's put you there. And just as Nehemiah, he was concerned about Jerusalem and that moved him to action, our concern for Jesus must move us to action. So many people need to know about Jesus here in Brisbane and around the world. Uh, I don't know if you heard about Lynette Stokes. I think she's coming back this morning. And I'm so encouraged by her going to Russia short term to help out in the orphanages there. By Joel Lowe heading to Sydney. And I believe he came back last night too. But I know we as a church that we can do more, especially in a church our size. I know that God wants to see more. There's so many ministries in our church that need leaders and helpers. Uh, every time I talk to Ray Lowe about brigades, and this is spanning years and years, he's always saying to me that he needs more leaders. Sometimes at MOPS, uh, there's only one or two actual carers, and sometimes it's me. <laughs> and I'm sure there's heaps and heaps and heaps of ministries that are just like this too. We need more pastors, elders, directors, and students, people of God who will act and live for Jesus. As a church, we should be so moved, so concerned about the name of Jesus that we would act to this end, that everyone, every one of us would be involved somehow in gospel ministry 
in this church. I've said this to so many people, and I'll finish with this. I love this church. Uh, God's blessed us so much as a church. You look at our property, our ministries, our resources, the community around us. I mean, God's brought people from all around the world and put them right on our doorstep. But we just can't be satisfied with that and just relax. There's so much potential for God to use this church to reach out to Jesus, reach out for Jesus, to Runcorn, to Sunnybank, to Brisbane. We see these glimpses, great glimpses, but only glimpses of this potential in things like Kids Club and Carols. I really believe that God wants to use us as a church to reach out to our community, to make Jesus known. He's equipped us with so many resources. He's put all these people around us. But it won't do anything until we see their need for Jesus. We need to be moved, grieved, and just absolutely floored by the lack of God's name in our community. We need to be so moved that we would pray fervently with a concern for God's name, for Jesus to be glorified. And we need to be so concerned that we would act and live for God's name, that we would say to God, I'm your servant. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm here. We read that Nehemiah's heart broke for Jerusalem, walls and gates, bricks and mortar. Does your heart break for the name of Jesus? Family, friends, people in our community who are lost without him. Will you commit this to prayer? And then will you pray, God, let me be part of it. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, we praise you because of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there's no other name that compares with Jesus, that through his blood on the cross, you saved us to be in right relationship with you. Lord, we look around in our community, our city, and our world, and we see how your name is disgraced, that people don't know Jesus, that people live without Jesus, that Jesus is, isn't glorified at all. Lord, please convict us, move us, open our eyes to know that our city is lost without Jesus. Lord, give us passion to pray for your name to be glorified, for Jesus to be known, to pray for people to understand Jesus and to be saved through Jesus so that they can have a relationship with you. We pray that your spirit would be at work in our city, that many people would seek your face, that the whole world will know of your love displayed through Christ. Lord, and most importantly, we pray that you'll use each and every one of us. Let us be part of it. Help us to make Jesus known. Help us to be involved and serve in a way to show that Jesus is alive in us. Lord, we ask this for the glory of Jesus' name alone. Amen.